Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, today's topic, when you think about fun, a lot of people are going to think this sounds like a lot of fun. A lot of fun and a fun mom to go with it. Our friend and colleague and uh, disabilities extraordinaire mother, Jeannie Forthieber. Thank you for joining us, Jeannie. Oh, thank you for having me. So I know you're going to talk to us about something to do with animals, but before we get to that, would you give us a little background uh, about yourself and uh, maybe talk about that rock star son of yours? <laughs> um, sure. My, my rock star son is, is who I am, basically. Um, I grew up in the area and I grew up um, riding horses. So I've always been an outdoor person and uh, into outdoor sports and just once you, I guess, grow up that way, you figure when you have kids, they're going to follow the same way. So um, I have a daughter that is 35 and she's um, a rider, pretty accomplished rider, has just returned back to riding. And then um, I have a son, Jonathan, who's just a year behind her. He's 34. So they both grew up on a farm here locally and um, grew up around horses and riding. Um, I just had to adapt it a little differently for Jonathan as he was born with uh, cerebral palsy. So um, the walking and the talking and the balance and all of that was a, was a different issue for him. So um, they grew up on a farm and I wanted them to have the same experience of, you know, horses, dogs, cats, guinea pigs, rabbits, everything we had. So um, fortunately they're both animal lovers and they're not into, you know, soccer or baseball or swimming because that wasn't my forte. (laughs) (laughs) They followed me into horses. So that's pretty cool. I mean, Jeannie, you're being really modest here and you're really making this sound like something so simple. And the truth is Lisa and I both known Jonathan a long time and he has significant physical disabilities and your expertise reaches far beyond being a great mom. So we invited Jeannie today because she is intricately involved in therapeutic writing and admirably committed to helping people in our community um, with all kinds of abilities uh, when it comes to horseback riding. And so Jeannie, can you, you mentioned some of the things for Jonathan, like the balance, et cetera, but I know that you work with other types of kids as well with therapeutic writing specifically. Can you give us an idea of kind of what you, what you see when there's different types of kids out there on a horse? Um, yeah, it kind of runs the gamut. We work with kids um, who are anywhere on the autism spectrum, uh, kids who are recovering from any type of an injury, uh, kids with Down syndrome, kids with cerebral palsy, kids with attention deficit, or, uh, et cetera. Um, what we see, what I see right away is um, a, a communication that you don't typically see amongst uh, maybe their own peers or even their own siblings is they seem to connect right away to the horse. They're taken to the horse, whether it's, if it's its size, um, it's the whole wonderment of it. Um, And it's neat to see them develop as a person as soon as they're kind of touched by the horse. Um, They wanna wanna touch it. They may have some sensory issues, but they wanna reach out. I think a lot of it is just curiosity. Um, And our horses are obviously specially trained and they have this really unique connection with with us and with the students anyway. So I think it makes it that much easier for the student to connect. So you mentioned your horses. Uh, Can you give our audience an idea? Are these your personal horses? Do you work with some agencies? Do you freelance? Um, Well, I don't have my own personal horses anymore. So I do contract out to two different local riding um, 
the centers. Um, one of them is Freedom Ride in Orlando, who has been around for, I think, 20 years, just past their 20 years, maybe 22. And they just relocated from Lee Road to um, Bay Lake Road. So they're a couple miles away from where they were in Orlando. So it's kind of um, a hidden treasure in Orlando. It's 25 acres um, on Lake uh, Bay Lake. Um, and we've got probably a dozen horses out there now. And we may see maybe a hundred um, folks that come through in a week. And then I also, uh, 10 years later, started a program out in Sanford called CHAPS, which is the Center for Horseback Riding and Personal Success. And that's in Sanford. So I maybe see 30 uh, folks that come through there in a week. And well, the horses are especially trained. They're not my horses. They're, they're owned by the center. <laughs> Well, and you know, uh, our viewers can't see us because this podcast is audio, but you know, your smile <laughs> when you talk about the horses and the kids is priceless and, and our theme this summer is fun. And so, you know, our listeners kind of spread the world and across the United States. I'm kind of curious if not, um, if not local, where else might, is there a national network? Is there an organization to figure out where I might have this beautiful fun with these horses? There is that the national network that most of us should be, if we're not already uh, associated with is called PATH, which is the um, Certified Instructors, um, Professional Association of Certified Instructors. So there are, gosh, um, over 800 member centers um, in the United States and abroad. And there's probably over 5,000 certified instructors. So you can go on the PATH International website and they can look, they put in their state and they'll come up PATH Certified Centers. Um, you can have a PATH Certified Center, which means the whole establishment kind of falls under the PATH guidelines, or you can have a smaller center where just the instructors are certified. Um, so it depends on how big or how small the, the center is. You just want to make sure that they're qualified instructors, that they have been around the disability world and they've been around horses because it's a different blend. And so Jeannie, um, because you and I have brainstormed a million times in a million ways over the years. So, so if I'm a, if I'm a person who might live in a rural area and, you know, maybe I'm, I, I do have horses, have been into horses, you know, is there a path for me to get started offering this kind of service if I wanted to? I'm just, I'm literally just curious to know. Um, if you wanted to open a center, you mean? Well, yeah, sure. Um, well, like I said, anybody can really open a center. If you've got some land and you've got some horses and you're a horse person, I would certainly put that or connected to horse people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you don't like horses, Rebecca, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> If dogs and cats are your thing, it's a little different, but, but yes, if you want to experience it, you can certainly bring in people. They have to go through pretty much a year's worth of mentoring, um, volunteering at centers and mentoring, and then they have to pass, uh, pass some tests in order to be qualified as instructors. Um, but yes, you can pretty much anybody can start one. If there's a need, um, you can certainly put it out there and there's people in the community that could help you. And are there, are there ways for, a parent who may not want to open a center, but wants to learn more for their own child. And maybe they do live, you know, on a well, there's a lot to be learned if they go to the website or they just look up therapeutic riding in general, um, because there's different types of therapeutic riding. You can just do uh, where they get on the horse and it's pretty much now called adaptive riding because ther the word therapy gets tricky. Is it really counseling or is it therapy? Mm -hmm. um, so adaptive riding is just, for instance, Jonathan, who's in a wheelchair, getting him up and getting him on a horse is very different than my daughter getting up and getting on a horse. 
Um, so you've got to have your ramp. You've got to, you can have a Hoyer or people to be able to transfer them. You've got to have certain range that they can hold certain, certain saddles, certain tack and equipment that's adaptive. Um, there's other equine assisted learning that maybe not involve being on a horse at all, but it's just being around the barn environment, being around the horse environment, learning about how to care for something, uh, nurture something, set boundaries with something, especially because it might weigh 1500 pounds um, and how to be quiet around something, how to kind of manage your own behaviors around something. Um, and so that comes under equine assisted learning. And then there's equine assisted therapies where we do um an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, a physical therapist is often uh, a trained and certified or, or present. And that comes under hippotherapy. Um, so they're looking at the movement. They're looking at the fine motor skills, the gross motor skills, and all of that helps develop some of the speech because of how they're sitting up, their core, they're opening up their lungs and all that comes into their breathing, which of course helps into your speech. Um, and then there's now work with veterans and there's now work with just the counselors that work with mental health. So it has grown from uh, let's just take and put some person on and pony them around for balance to, to working with people with severe PTSD. Yeah, so yeah. it's a, it's a growing field. It's very interesting. Fascinating. And one of the things that I'm curious about um, from the parent standpoint is, you know, fun and fun and, and funding are always mm -hmm. sometimes in conflict with each other. So, you know, my dream would be, you know, drive my kid and do all of this, but it sounds like some of it might be covered under insurance and is a lot of it pay. And can you give a range or there's scholarships? What would you say to families as I really want to do this, but we just don't have the funds. Well, there are some scholarships depending on the center. Um, there are stay well uh, through CMS. So there's insurance covered and typically what they will cover is 10 um, lessons at a time. And now, now I think they're trying to do a little bit more than that. 10 lessons not being a lot because lessons are weekly. They're not, let's say, can I do it? Well, 10 lessons, I can go almost a whole year. We can go 10 months. So just like anything else, you're not going to really get anything out of participating in something once a month. So it basically has to be weekly for any gain. Um, and then they can reapply. So that's through, uh, I think it's Stay Well with CMS or maybe it's Sunshine now. I think they've gone into some changes. Um, and what was the Gardner Scholarship, which is now the Family Empowerment Scholarship? They also recognize uh, therapeutic writing just as they do, you know, music and art. So uh, they are reimbursed through the, um, the FES scholarship. We also try to raise money and um, look for money all year long so we can um, have some scholarships where the, the families typically pay $50 for the, for the session each week. If there's scholarship, then that's usually cut in half or maybe it's a 30-20 depending. Got it. And so again, it might be a great thing for those listening that might want to donate to something if there's a Absolutely. local, you know, therapy session. Again, um, that that's providing families with fun. And mm -hmm. uh, are most all uh, 503Cs, there's a tax write-off for that or not? Necessarily? Yes, yes, they are. Yep. If you've got your 501C3, that is a write-off. We have like a lot of our volunteers um, donate toward our, our students writing. We have um, helpful hands in Seminole County. Um, always recognize outdoor sports for kids. So they've picked us up and they've donated. Um, so that carries that strictly for scholarships for our students. It goes to nothing else. So that helps them uh, participate in their, their weekly lessons. I also have families go back to saying, you know, hey, if it's uh, go to your church, go to your neighbors, go to your family when it's birthdays, say, you know what, they, they have what they need, but they really are enjoying and benefiting from lessons. So maybe you can donate to to that, to keep them riding for, you know, another few months. So I had to do that when Jonathan was young. So um, there are different ways to do it. I think Make-A-Wish Foundation um, also has granted in the past. 
So uh, Kiwanis Club, I hear, has been, you know, donated. Um, you just have to be like anything else, pretty creative and asking. But centers are always looking for donors. They're looking for community folks to donate. They're looking for volunteers. They're looking for any ways to be able to support um, the, the folks to benefit riding. Well, Jeannie, as I, as I kind of wrap up my questioning, I, my, my last thought is, you know, we do have listeners who are teachers. And as you mentioned, and as I know from working with kids with emotional behavioral disorders, and there's a lot of learning that can happen that goes beyond uh, just the writing part of this. Absolutely. So, so as a teacher, if I wanted to at least introduce my kids to the idea or get them interested in horse, you know, if I wanted to use it, tie it to my curriculum in some way, do you have a recommendation of like a website that I could go to with, with young people or that parents could go to, to learn more about horses and possibly therapeutic riding, but at the very least to help instill in them this, this, uh, this love of, of, of horses. horses. Um, there are, there are different, um, well, one that I've just started uh, probably two years ago, right before through the COVID is the horse powered reading, which came out of um, the Midwest. So I have my little certification in that. So I have done that at CHAPS and we're going to start that hopefully in the fall at Freedom Ride where we basically work with kids who are um, struggling in reading and we use horses as the backdrop for that. You can also do that with math. You can do it with science. Um, So they can go to the Horse Powered Reading website. Um, They can go to PATH. Um, Pretty much when you go to PATH and it hooks you into the different centers across the country and international, you can go to those centers and read what they have to offer. And oftentimes there's videos so that they can kind of see the experience of what it's like. I would certainly encourage in all the calls that I get, I always want to have people to come out to the center, come out to the farm, take a walk around with us, watch a class, um, groom a horse, come up close to a horse, pat the horse, walk around, see what it's like. Um, some kids take to it. There are some that don't. There's some that are a little frightened and it's like, well, it's nearly not what I want to do. So sometimes it might take three or four times for them to come out, just be with the horse, pick up a brush, touch the horse, groom the horse. And then eventually they may, they may get on the horse. Um, but there is, you're right, there's a lot to be learned um, without even riding. Um, it, what I like to do is teach the skills for riding because there's a lot that goes on with the riding. Um, there's several things that happen at the same time. And we always want to make sure that that follows through how we live. I mean, there's certain things we have to do when we get up and get dressed and go to school that they fall in a certain order before we get in the car and go to school. So it's the same thing. We're basically putting putting order in our life and developing a routine and uh, following directions. Uh, I love it. And my, and my last question for you is, you know, I'm a big believer in people with disabilities and, and I know you are too, that we make them givers, not takers, like give them every opportunity to give back. And I'm curious if someone that's listening with a disability or have you had experience wants to volunteer to be a volunteer. What's been your experience there and how might they go about that? Um, well, just yesterday I brought on a young man who started riding with me when he was like uh, eight. And he reminded me yesterday, he's 16 and he is coming back and just did our orientation to volunteer. So he will start volunteering three days a week. So he's very excited to be on the other side of that. So yes, if they're able to um, volunteer, which means they have to be able to kind of groom a horse, go out and help get the horse out of the pasture 
And when they're old enough, which is 15, they can start working the classes, which means they could lead a horse in the class or they could sidewalk if a rider needs some extra support for balance. Then there's the opportunity to do that. So again, you're they're helping to groom the horse. They're interacting with the riders. They're interacting with the families and the other volunteers. So it's social skills. It's time management. It's following directions. And it's certainly a lot of physical work. Um, so it's good for them. And I would love to, to keep as many people as I can come back and be active to volunteer. I love it. I love it. Well, we thank you so much for all that great information and really not only sounds like fun, but it sounds like fun and growth at the same time for kids and families. So we appreciate you treasure you both as a friend and a colleague and all the work that you've done to really change the lives of kids. So if you have questions, you can send us a tweet at access practical, or you can post a question on our Facebook page. Thank you, Jeannie, for joining us. All right. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye.